0: Welcome back to Common Fan Commentary. I'm your host, Adam. I'm joined by the ever-eloquent Ronnie.
1: How's it going, guys? Glad to be back.
0: And today we have our first guest on the podcast. He is the host of the Tri-Fantasy podcast. Be sure to check that out over on Apple and most other podcast platforms. Today we welcome Ryan.
2: What's up, guys? Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm glad that uh, I have the opportunity to uh, or talk a little bit more been football so thanks for the invite and uh let's get things going guys
0: yeah happy to have you so it just so happens that our friend ryan here is a big arsenal fan so <laughs> today we're going to talk about that because this podcast if you haven't heard has some words about <laughs> arsenal so <laughs> let's talk about them they started off the premier league somewhat hot two wins to start the year albeit to Fulham and West Ham. What do you see from your Arsenal team, Ryan?
2: Well, let me tell you, man. This story goes, goes back further than two wins in the Premier League season. <laughs> this, story, this story starts about three months ago when we're taking home an upset versus uh, Liverpool to in the season when we're upsetting Man City on the way to an FA Cup title win. And then when we're beating Chelsea and then Liverpool again for the Shield. I love that you caught me on the eve of another big Liverpool matchup. Gives me a chance to throw out some more hot takes, but it's one man, one dream. And that's up to Mikel Arteta. I mean, it's just very simply that man has guided this team from being absolute garbage (laughs) (laughs) to being a respectfully tactical team. We need to do a lot in the market, in the window. But at the same time, you look at the tactics now compared to where they were last November, And it's a night and day squad. So I'm feeling good.
1: We all know how I think of Arsenal, how they kind of work the the transfer window a little bit, or at least some of the signings they had. But I mean, results speak for themselves. I, I can't deny that no matter how much I might dislike Arsenal a little bit. I'm genuinely surprised by how efficient Willian has been for arsenal i knew he was a good pickup i know we kind of disagreed a little bit on the money aspect of how much it cost them for 15 mil he's their top assist player right now came in fitting into the roster and is producing at the end of the day i guess if it's working out i think arsenal is okay with those 15 mil
2: bro i mean i was nervous for that too william was the last guy that like i wanted to get excited about coming in the window you know, we had such big targets out there for this transfer window. We bring in another attacker, you know. Yeah. it's been the story year in and year out. Going out and buying Pepe after we have Lacazette, Yang, Saka coming through the Academy. We are loaded out there on the wing and bringing Willie in again, it was like I've seen this movie before. Like we're <laughs> we're not improving the defense, we're not improving the midfield. Here we are buying attackers again. It's frustrating. So but speaking
0: of that defense, do you think that with Rob Holding, David Luiz, and Seed Kalisinak, on top of Gabriel. Do you think that defense is good enough to compete, accomplish whatever they're trying to accomplish this season?
2: You know, it's been one of those things where when we play in uh, the—my favorite formation to watch is the 3-4-3. When we've got Rob Holding in the back with a David Luiz and then like a Gabriel— it's not the most beautiful thing to watch, but really, it's the wing play that's what's keeping everything contained. Maitland Niles and Bella Rin, and not only that, but Kyrian Tyranny, are doing a fantastic job working the wings and keeping everything compact in the middle. Now, does that get us top four in the Prem this year? Probably not. Truthfully, like David Louise is still a liability. Um, <laughs> Rob Holding has looked better, and I am full sinned on selling said edge. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's a love. Hey, like, I love that we're getting the job done right now. But what I'm excited for is uh, William Saliba. We got from Arsenal. He was on loan last year, but we're, we're creating the twin towers in the back there. You know, I think that, especially if you look at Liverpool, you have Virgil van Dyke, the best center defensive player in the world. But I think that's what Arsenal wanted to model their scheme after was putting six, four back there, six four, two hundred five 205 pounds, you know, 210 pounds, because that anchor in the Premier League, I think, means so much more than it does in other leagues. And it's it's been transcendent. So trying to create that back, that center defensive presence is huge. But, you know, we also have Pablo Mari rating right in the wings. Played last year, got a little hurt, a little banged up. There's a lot to be asked for still, where we are compared to where we were last November. I mean, you want to talk about the biggest thing is keeping up bombing. We're a relegation side. <laughs> if uh if Obamiang doesn't come back. Like <laughs> those those are goals. Those are goals we can't afford to give away. I mean, he's the biggest signing so far this year, and he, he's the god there right now, and the fans love it. And...
0: So speaking of the transfer market as well, they are still in very much talks with Leon Midfield, Hasem Owar, and Atletico Madrid Tomas Party, And they mm-hmm. seem to be very keen on getting both those players. Do you think that they finish top four with those two signings?
1: With those signings, I think they definitely solidify more of the spots where I think they need to. I do like what Ryan said, and I do think now Mikel Arteta's realized for his forwards to produce at a high caliber, which I'm not saying they haven't been doing in the past. I just think now with a tighter midfield, a more compact midfield, it allows to open up the field for them to do their job more than having to. Withdrawn to the midfield or have to come back to the midfield to receive the ball to then go ahead and go forward. So I think with pickups to strengthen the midfield a little bit, while yes, most of their roster is filled of midfielders, it could essentially be good, right? You win sixty five percent of the games you play if you can if you control the midfield right you know if you have possession, the other team's not going to score. If it's working right now, if it's a formula that's working, then I understand. It's just I don't know if it's the long-term view that Mikel Arteta has, or that maybe let's say the board of Arsenal has for the team. Mikel Arteta might want that, right? But if someone right. on the board is saying, you know, we have a lot of midfielders, we we want to play more of a defensive-minded, or let's get some big names in here that are a forward, it, it could easily <laughs> be it could easily be just tossed out. It's working right now. It's a formula that's working, I think they're gonna go forward with it, and you know why why change something that's working for them That's kind of how I'm seeing it right now. Do I think that they're top four? I think that's a little too quick to jump on that wagon right now for Arsenal. I think they're good right now. don't get me wrong, but again, right it's match day three. We don't know how injuries are gonna appear this season for not just Arsenal but for other teams like it's interesting to see how it's gonna work out for Arsenal. I'm actually kind of excited just because I know I talk so much crap, but they've been playing pretty well. Right? This is exciting to watch them play a little bit.
2: Let me go ahead and just drop my Twitter handle here because I want all the angry Man U and Chelsea fans to just go ahead and find me. At Big Ryan, <laughs> B-I-G-R-Y-N-E. Here's the thing. You want to talk about top four. I think with these two signings, we're absolutely a team who can make it into the top four. And this is why. Man United, or should I say Pinchester United, who literally relies every single game on Bruno Fernandez flopping around in the box and trying to pull a penalty so they can draw even with West Brom. They're playing relegation sides right now, and they're struggling. You know, it might not be pretty for Arsenal, but I'll tell you what, like, I don't think we're struggling like that with a West Brom.
1: A lot of last-minute penalties this weekend, man. Like, not Man U, like, getting... After the final whistle, P.K., which I think is so sus.
2: They absolutely rely on bagging these late-in-game these late in game penalties to even stay relevant. I mean, Bruno Fernandez is flopping around the box. Don't get me wrong. I think that's a talented team. Pogba is a phenomenal player, still world-class. But Oli Ball, his style of football is the biggest joke in the Premier League. You're talking about a uh, very slow-moving, not a very pacey, which... Doesn't make sense. You know, coming into the season, they kept telling us about how dangerous those three people up front were. Rashford, Martial. I, you know, I watch a lot of Arsenal fan TV, naturally. I had the opportunity to listen to the Manchester United fan talk about how Mason Greenwood would be in the Golden Boot competition. And like,
0: <laughs> That's uh, a little delusional. I, right,
2: absolutely delusional. But, you know, it translated to why I think Chelsea can't get it done this year either. It is hard to make it your first year in the Prem. It is super tough. And you take out their core team, basically, and replace them with an entire new team. It's so tough to make that transition to the Premier League year one. And while I think that the money they spent is much more well-vested than what Arsenal's doing, like I love their players that they're getting. And I think, I think Lampard has the opportunity to be a pretty solid coach. But at the same time, like it takes a year. Realistically, like, I mean, we saw it in Lock Is. I mean, shoot, Lock Is that has taken two years to transition. I'm still not even comfortable enough to say he's a, a top flight Premier League player. Honestly, the only team that I'm sneakily worried about right now, uh, challenging to that top four, is uh, Tottenham. But my top four, as it sits today, I think Man City win the league. I think we've seen many lapses in defense on uh, Liverpool's side. I think Liverpool's second, be a Chelsea third. I think they do pull it together by the end of the season. And then I think Arsenal will take home a fourth.
0: I think a team that you should be worried about though is Everton. Man, they are on fire.
2: I do believe in Ancelotti's system with the Hamas signing. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little skeptical. Is this dude still? Is he still capable of playing at that level? His transition to the Prem has been impressive, to say the least. But I mean, I think that that's because he buys into Ancelotti's system just as much as
0: anyone. Moving on over to the MLB playoff picture.
1: Okay, we got the MLB playoff race. Who do you have making it deep? Maybe some surprises.
0: There's eight teams per league. So we got 16 teams, which means if you're doing the math, that's a majority of the league in the playoffs. Now, I've already said my piece on how much I hate having over 50% of the teams in the playoffs. And that's why I enjoyed baseball was only the top teams make the playoffs. But we're going to see teams such as the Miami Marlins, who just in the past month alone have lost a game by 20 runs, 15 runs, 11 runs, and 10 runs. Now, in the previous playoff format that actually made sense, they would not make the playoffs. But since we want more teams because of the smaller regular season, so we want a longer postseason, we're going to let teams like that in. And they squeak in like one game over 500, and I don't think that's deserving of a playoff. Uh, maybe like a second wild card in a normal year. But I think this 18 playoff is just, it's going to make this a sloppy series.
2: I personally, as much as I hate to say it, I wanted the baseball season to be canceled. I just felt like 60 games is not enough. It's It's not the sample size you need in baseball. There's a reason they play so many dadgum games every summer. And it's a it's a testament to, A, how deep a team is. But not only that, how resilient they can be. And, you know, you get to the middle of August. I mean, frankly, I love my Cubbies at the end of the day. But I don't know if they're a playoff team in 100, 160-plus games in a season. I don't know if they're a playoff team. And it's just like you said. You look at the Marlins, uh, the Brewers, who really didn't didn't have it this year. Flip to the... The AL side—I I, want to say the Astros, but the Astros could be dangerous at any time. The Indians can be dangerous anytime, so the AL is a little different story. Depends but in on on the NL, video cameras are—you <laughs> know—as much as I like the whole cheating narrative, because you know I do feel like that was an a A plus advantage. Every team in the MLB cheats. I'm pretty convinced that every team is stealing signs. It's just a matter of not whether or not they're using high-tech video cams to do it. <laughs> like um, <laughs> you turn it back to this 16-team playoff. I think. Listen, I put an asterisk on almost every championship besides, you know, like the NFL this year. They're going to get in a full season, but overseas, you know, last year we saw League One cancel their season. Go ahead and award PSG the title. Baseball, I don't think should have played, but I think they expanded the playoffs to make this sort of uh, a summer ball tournament you know this has been pool play up into this point and now we have this uh you know elaborate 16 team ordeal to uh decide who wins the world series i I don't really like it but at least i think it's going to be entertaining
0: yeah it's cute it's like it is it's cute it feels like this is like a spring training tournament honestly with the amount of players that got hurt injuries are double the rate that they used to be based on the amount of stoppages and how many times people have had to pitch on short rest or long rest. I feel like this year should have a giant asterisk on it. Oh, yeah. Expanding the playoffs, I get they're trying to get more intrigue. They're trying to get more games out of the players. Um, they're trying to get more fan bases into it. But we saw that kind of thing when it happened at the trade deadline. Trade deadline, there were like five trades. This year, we saw nothing because half the teams are already in the playoffs. Here we are at the playoffs. Who do you see taking home the title?
2: Honestly, man, the Dodgers. I, I hate the Dodgers so much. I even hate to just utter the the name out of my mouth. It's, it's vinegar in the mouth. I I don't like it, but I think they have the best shot in the NL. You want to talk about one to nine hitting, especially with the DH this year in the NL. They're a pretty easy candidate. Although I will say my surprise pick, you know, my, my favorite pick is the Padres. I love that young team, man. And they went out and they made a deal at the deadline. They put the chips in the right place. And, you know, they've got one of the most fun superstars in the game in Tatis. They're, they're so fun to watch. I'm going to take, you know, obviously the Dodgers are my favorite. I mean, that's rocking nobody's boat. If I had to choose another team to watch, it's the Padres. Quickly address my Cubs. I mean, we can't hit our way out of a paper sack. <laughs> We've got, I think, the top five people in our lineup, uh, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras. None of these dudes are hitting over 230. You know, I think in a full season, maybe you see some of those guys turning around. But I think, if anything, poor player performances this season showed that they relied on fans so much. Juice the crowd up. AL's so much more exciting, man. The A's, the AL's really fun to talk because they're technically just proficiently... Excellent teams like the A's, the Rays, and even the Indians. Like, those are teams that are going to win it on small ball lineups. The A's, don't get me wrong, they've got some pop in those bats. But then you look at the White Sox, the Yankees, the Astros, Twins, and you have home run dependent ball clubs. I think out of the AL, my pick uh, is actually going to be the A's. Team I would love to see win it, though, is the Twins, because I want to see Nelson Cruz get a ring before the Texas Rangers.
0: Not, that's not that hard. Yeah.
2: <laughs> correct but you know i think that would rub a rub a good amount of salt in the wounds of dallas uh, you know dallas is uh, i live there it's one of my favorite places to talk about sports because you have like the saltiness of the rangers never being good after you know blowing two world series chances you have the delusional cowboys fans year in and year out you have the stars fans that you know you pray for greatness from them but i think they're about to lose in the cup and so uh, it's a fun city to love watching what goes on because we just can never get over the hump so
1: at this point I've also taken that outlook as a you know Dallas resident Dallas team fan it's, it's kind of amazing I feel like how it almost feels like anytime the Rangers in the World Series the Cowboys make a playoff run the stars now with them being in the Stanley Cup Finals I'm just worried that it's like anytime a Dallas team makes it to the to the end, they just can't do it. And it's, it's a little, it's a little depressing as a Dallas resident in Dallas because I definitely, you know, you want to see your hometown team be successful and win trophies. It just feels like Dallas kind of has this like sports curse, like since the year 2000 on um, other than the Mavericks, right? The Mavericks are the one exception. But again, you can't forget the Mavericks lost in 06 to the Heat. All right. Pre LeBron, Dwayne Wade carried the Heat that year. You know, even the Mavs have gone through the whole. We made it to the end and didn't win it. Luckily, they got over it. I can't. I'm not even that hurt by those words just because I'm so used to seeing it as well. <laughs> like, I'm not. It sucks, but I'm not. It's just, It's just, I feel like at this point, it's just being a Dallas fan. It's like, we make it so far, yet we just, we struggled to 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 win.
0: So, heading back on to the playoff picture uh, for baseball. Fumbled fun little Dallas tangent when we went on there. Um, so I would love to say for the National League, I would love to go with my Braves. Freddie Freeman is the bona fide MVP. Their hitting lineup 1-9, to nine. their hitting lineup is lethal. They scored almost 30 runs in one game. They have the potential to just hit homers all day long, but they do not have the pitching to make it far in the playoffs. So I can't firmly say the Braves. So Dodgers are easy. Their pitching's too good. Their hitting's too good. But I do think they'll drop it in the World Series just because they are the Dodgers. So whoever is in the American League, I'm going to give them the win. Easy answer for me out of the American League would be the Rays. Basically, they're the next A's. Moneyball it, basically.
2: Right, right.
0: So I've really enjoyed watching their team. The deals they've made to get Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows in the trade with the Pirates... I think was hilarious because they definitely won that trade, and we right. said that at the time. So they're they got a solid pitching rotation, pretty decent bullpen, and they got they got some bats. But I got to say Dark Horse out of the American League, I'm going to go with the White Sox. They got the star power to beat the Yankees and overcome all the struggles they've had over the past what year, is it 15 years since they won the t- won the series. I do think the White Sox can make some noise. They got strong arms. The only worry I have with the White Sox is their bullpen. Luckily, playoffs can be a little weird, so they can, you can use some of your starting pitchers as your bullpen, as we've seen with like Madison Bumgarner. Could see Giolito in some key spots. Who knows? I'm going to say Dark Horse. We'll go White Sox, Dodgers, and then White Sox win this year on
1: to the transfer noon so from one side of the ball to the next we have what i possibly think is one of the most interesting yet funny transfers as a barcelona fan we have luis suarez to atletico madrid
0: after what do you have to say about luis suarez to atletico um luis suarez has been such a lethal striker late into his 30s usually strikers start to see that regression when they are hitting those age 32 33 seasons playing next to Messi hasn't hurt his career at all so it's honestly odd for to see him leave for a side like Atletico where they are a lot more youthful but they don't have the star power that Barcelona has and i don't think Suarez will be as success, nearly as successful in Madrid It's also weird to see them go to a rival at one point they blocked Barcelona blocked the transfer after they heard that he was going to Atletico, saying, "Hey, whoa, whoa, where are you going? You're not, you're not going to them." Eventually, after some back and forth, they said, "Okay, never mind. Atletico is going to pay us a compensation for it." At one point, he he was trying to go to Juventus really bad. He just could not get an Italian passport worth his life. He, I think, he's just looking for top flight talent but not at Barcelona, and it's it's weird to see him leave. He's been there for so long. going to be weird to see him especially playing against Barcelona a few times a year. I think it's a good pickup for Madrid, especially considering they wanted more scoring potential out of their veterans, and Suarez is not a bad pickup for that.
2: It's nerve-wracking. I mean, I think Suarez does get the job done. He's a he's a bright spot. I think he'll be a bright spot on that Madrid team. But if I were him, maybe I'd call it a career. I mean, shoot, you've had the opportunity to play next to Neymar, Messi, and really bolster your career big time at Barcelona. And I, obviously, that's too much of an outlandish take saying he should retire. But I'm happy he's going to Atletico. I, I think it, Juventus, you're talking a lot of expectations. Again, I don't think Juventus invests should be investing in someone that old. And so I love this Madrid move because it gives him to, a, a good chance to throw the middle finger back at Barcelona.
1: Believe it or not, other than the fact that he's playing in the same league as Barcelona, you know, his former club and all the trophies he helped bring to Barcelona, I think Luis Suarez is is, is potentially, and this might be a little bit of a hot take, I think he could be like the next Zlatan. Whoa, chill he, he will out. Be, he will be <laughs> in his late 30s. I, no, I know that's a little hot right now. But I, I can see this man being in his late 30s and playing in top flight leagues in Europe, maybe after some MLS buffoonery, <laughs> but he'll still be producing goals and could potentially be one of those players that even into his late 30s, which he's not that far from that right now, will be producing quality Suarez scored two goals and an assist against Granada in their match so he immediately came in and had a had an impact on Atletico to come in you know to a new team and just kind of have like this seamless transition is uh is is quite interesting to see and I'm, and I'm curious to Barcelona's going through a, a rejuvenation period but, you know they're getting rid of their older players and they're trying to from this new core identity of younger talent around perhaps some big names you know they kept messy at least for one more year but i'm interested to see suarez i think it's funny i saw i sent adam a photo earlier this week after this transfer went through and it was like welcome to the dark side and it's suarez joining a table with diego simeone um darth vader like all these (laughs) villains oh and diego costa was also on that table so i love that (laughs) it was it was funny but i'm interested to see how how it'll work out for him, I think it's it's a smart move for Suarez, especially after everything that's going on at Barcelona. You know, he might not be under the full limelight anymore, but at the end of the day, it's still at least a top four, top five club in La Liga.
0: Even potentially Champions League dark horses. So speaking of Juventus and who they were trying to get a striker, and Atletico Madrid to be honest, uh, Alvaro Morata... Leaves Atletico Madrid after they purchased him last year. Chelsea did not play that well at Chelsea after he left Juventus. So he's already back. Seemed pretty desperate for an attacking option. So what do you think of Morata at Juventus?
1: Morata to me is the new era Fernando Torres. They are young superstars. They're superstars from a young age, right? who everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the next class forward who is going to be your true number nine, no matter where he goes. And I think that's kind of caused his, I, I don't even want to say downfall, right? There's a reason he's in these top teams, top clubs. It's just, I think he might be a little overvalued speaking like on a stat wise, right? I'm not speaking on like a monetary value. They see him as like a, a diamond in the rough almost. Yet he hasn't really found the team that has developed him to the point where, you know, he's the Obama Yang for Arsenal or the Messi for Barcelona. I think he's struggled to find that club that will put him week in, week out, and he'll produce for them like he did in his earlier years. I find it hard for me to want to back Morata as like, this is a forward your team should have. I'm like, okay, if you have him, great he'll he'll produce here and there but he's definitely not he's not going to be the pillar forward for your team i've always found it interesting that teams see him as a must have window like transfer window target sometimes
2: I agree with that, man. Like, it, it's crazy because I mean, do we? How old is he now? twenty five? You know, it, he's always been touted as like he just needs the next step. He just needs to take the next step. You know, like it's almost crazy because like when does the player stop seeing that kind of speculation? And I think that's now. And who knows? It might be a good thing for him. To tell you the truth, because like coming out of Real Madrid, like I thought this dude was a bona fide scorer. You know, another big body. Uh, that you could put in the center of the pitch that, you know, had some dribbling skills, but really just had a leg on him more than anything. You know, it's kind of sad to see his career because I thought he was going to be amazing in Chelsea. That's where I had the most hope for him. But, you know, going to Juventus, uh, at least it gives him a chance to play with some world-class players. Again, it takes the takes the, the brunt of the pressure off of him because everything still is heavily relying on Dybala and Ronaldo. And so, you know, hopefully that'll allow him to flourish. But you know, I hate, you know, continuing to see this dude getting moved around because it's just it's rough to watch, honestly.
0: He always just seems like you you mentioned that he's just fails to take that next step. And at some point, I think we should question, can he? Right. Does he have the ability to be able to turn into an elite striker, which I don't think he he can? I think we've seen the best that he's ever going to play. the The game's evolved to where you want your strikers to be able to dribble very strong at the front of the pitch and be able to not only score but also be able to pass other people into situations where you might score and i don't think he's got i don't think he has that technical ability i think he's just that classic big number 9 up front who's got a big leg i just don't see him have the technical ability to take that next step i think we've given him a, enough chances to prove that to us uh Juventus might they they were definitely in the need for the stri- for a striker um especially since they were re- relying on Higuaín who was 30, 33 34 years old trying to play him with Ronaldo <laughs> and Dybala so yeah. uh, this is a good move for Juventus albeit at a very high price but I think he still just has that name value
1: So from one Spanish city to another we have a Barcelona's uh clean house project going on right now. We yeah. have Suarez, Semedo, Arturo Vidal. What do you think of this this clean house project that Komen and the board are going through right now?
0: I'd like to add that is uh, heading off to Wolves, and he's Portuguese, so of course he is. Vidal, he was also in, in the later stages of his career. We also saw Rakitic head off to Sevilla. They need some youth. That's what their problem has been over the past few years, is they have aging stars at every single position. This is just necessary transition. This is the
2: worst front office in world soccer. (laughs) You know, I think it's really cool that we're going to see an American make it to Barcelona because like, when does that ever happen? But at the same time, like, I'm just glad, you know, I bet Ajax probably could have sold him you know there's a rumor 25 mil for him headed over that direction barcelona is so ridiculous i mean they probably could have got 40 mil out of their Sergino dest barcelona just spends money they, they go back to the board and they're like hey print some more we need to we need to go buy someone else and it's like these investments haven't even like they haven't even paid off in the last 3 years like you know it, the sad thing is is and, and they're still, they're holding Messi hostage, you know? Like, I just think it's such a negative vibe at this club. Like, but at the same time, I think that they're the they're the GM of world football. They're too big to fail. I don't think La Liga is going to let these dudes fail. They mean too much <laughs> to their namesake. And so I just, I think the club stinks. I think they need to get it together a little bit more. First of all, they need to sell Messi. You know, letting him go on the free next year does nothing for them. Sell him, get your money's worth, move on to a clean break, and move on. I mean, it's just like what Real Madrid did. They're starting to bring new players in. They, uh, their young guys are finally maturing. You know, they get rid of Bell. Benzema's the last one from that. You know, project up in that front uh, attacking. I-, I think they need to. They need to look at their counterpart, Real. I mean, they're not too far behind them, and they just need to go through a good rebuild.
1: I think this year. And maybe the next two years, it's going to be really interesting being a Barcelona fan after, what, 10 years, 10, 15 years of soccer dominance, at least, you know, in the top two, top three in Spain or in the Champions League, the board. And it kind of sucks for, in my opinion, for Komen to come in into a club right now that it kind of crumbled all at once while Ryan was speaking. I was like. What's the best picture I can think of, and it just seems like a. This might be a really bad, but it might. It just seems like a marriage that just out of nowhere falls apart. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Kind of, like, and everyone just kind of like, wait, like this was going on, like there was issues, like I thought everything was smooth, seems so good on the outside, yet it all kind of collapsed at once with transfer talks of Messi, and after the eight-two defeat, like where. Like how would Barcelona lose that bad? And I think it's going to be interesting in the next two three years on how this team kind of bounces back and finds an identity with at least one more year with Messi, which you know he he's going to stay one more this year. After this, it's going to be the the whole new Barcelona saga is going to continue next next summer. It's not going to end after this. Now that the season started, it's not going to end because now all eyes are on Coman. All eyes are on. All right, can Barcelona? Bounce back after letting go. You know, Suarez, Semedo, Vidal, Rakitic is gone. They're gonna have to find a new identity. They're gonna struggle. I mean, Real Madrid struggled for a bit after Ronaldo left. Like they, they struggled to kind of find right, who's Real Madrid again. Like who's gonna be that big name attached to the club? And I think Barcelona is gonna hold on to Messi as long as they can. But I do believe next year, with transfer clause being done, no one's gonna have to throw seven hundred million. Messi's not going to have to go to court to get out of his contract. I think next year might be the year where Barcelona and Messi split, and again, Barcelona saga continues. Who's going to step up? Who's going to be the next one? Who do they have at La Masia that is 17 years old from and is uh, going to just come in and become the next bona fide world class talent for the next 15 years? So I'm interested to see. I feel like it's going to be a little tough to be a Barca fan right now, but at the end of the day, I think Barca is going to be Barca, and I don't think any soccer fan in the world wants to see Barca fail completely. You can't have high-class soccer without a team like Barca. Eh, That's just me being a little biased.
0: Not at all. (laughs) I also think, though, that full rebuilds in soccer shouldn't really ever happen. You shouldn't have one of these stages where you have to sell off all of your aging talent all at once. This should be a gradual thing. Once you start to see a player dip in playing ability and you're starting to lose faith in starting him, then you should let him go and not wait till he is in the later half of his career, and you can't even get any money for him in the transfer market. They've just been waiting so long on so many of their players that this was bound to happen. Should have been happening a long time ago, but now it's all at once. That means you're going to struggle.
2: I'm a big believer in that too, which you were just saying. But looking at Arsenal and what I've seen over the last three years, like sometimes you've got to change the temperature of the room in the club. The being too content at Barcelona, you know, Arsenal didn't even have close to the success that Barcelona's ever had, you know, in the Champions League and things like that. But it was taking out those people that didn't have the right hunger. You know, that's what I owe our whole turnaround to. You know, I don't even think the player side is done yet. And so if I could suggest anything for Barcelona, you know, on that subject, it's like, where could you find that hunger again? Where's that spark? Because I think that's what they need. It's not like they have garbage players. Like Ansu Fati is going to be someone in the future that we're going to talk about for another 10 years. But who, what coach, what president, club president, uh, who can you bring in that's going to revitalize the attitude in that in that dressing? I think that's the biggest key for them.
0: I think it's what Ronnie said is there, there's going to be some kid at La Masia that's just going to be the next Messi. I think he's there. I just don't know who he is yet. <laughs> Heading back over to the States. We had college football wrapping up week two. Let's call it week two. We saw a couple upsets in the top 25. First off, OU dropping to Kansas State yet again. We saw Spencer Rattler in his first ever Big 12 match. What did you think of him?
2: average at best. I don't know if I could speak on this topic without being completely unbiased. (laughs) It absolutely thrills me to watch OU lose. I think that for the first time in maybe six years, they have a quarterback that's not just an absolute anomaly. They they don't have five nine in the backfield that somehow is able to make throws on the run that are next level type stuff like you know they don't have uh, the first time ever where you look at this team and you're not like absolutely just demoralized by the guy calling the shots in the backfield and so I don't know it, it's I think it opens up the Big Twelve again but so far we look like a pretty sorry sorry conference but it just absolutely thrills me to see OU lose but at the same time it doesn't because. That just means the respect that the Big 12 is barely hanging on to is about to just fly out the window. So it's a double-edged sword there.
0: Spencer Rattler, he played okay. You could see the flashes of his accuracy. I feel like this is just growing pains. OU was pretty lucky in the past quarterbacks that have transferred in. This guy is going to turn into a number one overall draft pick. He's going to be that good. He's giving you Heisman potential game one. Sorry, that was my stomach. <laughs> hey, hungry. Barca call me. <laughs> so back on Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, he he played well. You did see some mistake throws that a veteran quarterback probably wouldn't make, like overthrowing a receiver or not leading him the right way. He did show a lot of promise, especially in the first half. He was playing like he's been there before. He definitely showed his talent. I think once it got into the nitty-gritty of run your two-minute offense and how do you break the momentum that K-State was showing, it just kind of got, for lack of better words, rattled at the wrong time.
2: <laughs> I think we'll see. We'll see another. We'll see a performance. He'll, he'll come back. I, I don't have any doubt in that. It's just uh, it, it's a hard act to follow up a uh, Kyler Murray, a Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's a tough act to follow, man. Like Jalen Hurts, you know, and so I I think that uh, it's easy to be real hard on this guy to start out with, I think he'll, he'll, he'll rebound. There's no doubt that the team is too nice. I just briefly want to mention and stay in the big 12 for a second. Baylor looks absolutely incredible. And uh, Texas looks like the same joke of a program they've been for the last 10 years. So I just want to leave those takes there. We don't have to touch them because a, I think we, we know what Texas is. And then B uh, (laughs) coach, coach David Aranda. I think he's putting some of those critics, some of those people who questioned you know, whether Baylor can move on from the Matt Rule era, I think he's putting them to sleep. So, like you said, though, it's it's game one. But you love seeing Texas and OU get scared on the same day. It's a good day in the Big 12 when that happens.
0: Now, moving over to SEC, we had another QB transition with LSU, the heir to Joe Burrow's throne. We, we don't know what we were going to expect. We saw a little bit of struggling from LSU after the, probably the most dominant college football season that we've ever seen. And they... Drop to Mike Leach and Mississippi State.
2: I think the bigger headline here, because you know, because the SEC. Okay, <laughs> Joe Burrow was another anomaly. He's he's one of the Johnny Manziel's, the Vince Youngs, the the folks that are able to command the field, do extraordinary things. Matt Leinart, even like a quarterback who's just able to go out and win. Uh, I think the bigger headline here, not not so much reading into LSU. I mean, they scored thirty four points. Uh, The bigger headline was losing such a defensive presence on their coaching staff and David Aranda. Biggest storyline here is Mike Leach in Mississippi State. you got a guy who plays one game in the SEC, coaches one game in the SEC, and uh, his quarterback broke a record that was held by Joe Burrow uh, for the most total offense uh, in an SEC game. This is his first game in the SEC bringing that high-octane passing attack. Absolutely impressive. His quarterback passed for 623 yards. 623 with five touchdowns. That's absolutely insane. That's
0: video game stuff.
2: That's video game stuff, man. It's Mike Leach, baby. Like It doesn't get much more hype than that guy. I love Mike Leach to death. I think he was wrongfully done at Tech. Swole his career away up in Washington. And so... It's it's one of those things where I'm super excited to see the progression of Mike Leach and what he can do in the SEC. Uh, but LSU, you know, they're going to go back to being that kind of program where they'll be LSU, they'll be an SEC contender, but honestly, it's just it takes something special to win that conference year in and year out. I mean, Saban's got to deal with the devil. No question that <laughs> the fact that he's been able to do it year in and year out is just it's sus at best. Don't read too much into LSU, read into Leach and Saving. That's basically what I have to say here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, LSU is in a tough spot. They lost like 90% of their coaching staff to either the NFL, you had all of their staff take off as well. So Orgeron has a really hard job of replacing all the guys that were so solid for them. So LSU, I think he's going to be in another transition year, especially losing your Heisman as well. I think last year was just the perfect culmination of great staff, great players. They have like 10 guys drafted in the first four rounds. So you're also trying to replace those, those talents as well. All right, now let's move over to the hot take segment.
1: Hot takes. Arsenal, do they have the talent to win the Premier League within three years?
2: Hot take, I think they are two moves away from winning the Premier League in Aubameyang's last contract year. So 2023, I think that's when we're in the running for it. We need two signings in the midfield. If it doesn't come this year from war and Party, hopefully it's someone that we can bring in that has that experience. But yes, I will confidently say a hot take that they will be challenging for the title within three years.
1: All right. We found our, we found our uh, hashtag of the week, Arsenal 2023, everybody.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. You
1: heard it here first.
0: That's our, that's our hashtag of the week. I like it. I can see them contending very much. So they have a young squad now. They'll probably be in the prime of their talent in three years
2: just you thinking of arsenal man it's just just hunger is overflowing
0: or rage one of the two It's just so hard to project that far ahead they do have the talent to contend i will give them that in three in three years they will have the talent to contend will they win i don't think so
2: still going to be the hardest league in, in international soccer right. i mean it's so it's so tough to say that they will bona fide be doing it in 2023 but that's why you create a hot take session and that's why you invite idiots like me on your podcast so 2023 look forward to it <laughs> <laughs>
0: Next hot take with the decline of the New Orleans Saints over the past couple weeks. We saw Drew Brees struggle to push the ball downfield. Hot take is Saints should hedge their bets and put in the famous Jameis Winston.
2: No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. No doubt, boy. Bro, Jameis, okay. Uh, you know what, Breeze Hall of Fame career, he's done his deal there, you know, but he looks lacking at best. I think tonight when he gets exposed by the Packers and they, they put up another 40 ball on the Saints, I just, I have a hard time believing that you got to look at that. And, you know, of course you do have Michael Thomas who not playing right now, but how much of a difference Jameis Winston would make in that offense is profound that man slings the football I think I think he is a next-gen Brett Favre I think he just needs the right guidance because there's there's maybe no one who's got a stronger arm than him in the league besides maybe like Josh Allen and then at the same time like his willingness hit the guts he shows to you know try to fit it in those areas and make a a play like that's Brett Favre And so I think they should look at replacing Drew Brees, at some point, because you've got to do something to spice that offense up. And with Brady, I think being able to luck into some wins by picking up Leonard Fournette out of the blue, they're the front runners right now. The Falcons look absolutely lost frankly. And so I think this is Tampa Bay's division to lose unless you see something, a dramatic change from from the Saints. So think I think Jameis in.
0: So you mentioned Brett Favre. That's a pretty good comparison considering Brett Favre has the record for number of interceptions thrown in a career. Bingo. Yeah, I think Jameis could definitely live up to that, especially if he throws another 30. They're already rotating in Taysom Hill. If you're thinking about downfield options, I think getting creative and throwing Jameis in for a few plays, that couldn't hurt. But at the same time, you can't bench Drew Brees, man. He came back from retirement. He he went on a trip to Argentina to co- contemplate his career, and he said, no, I have two more years left in me. We're going to make a run at this. The Saints have been trust Drew Brees for 15 years. Why stop now? Why would you doubt that, man? It's Unless just like
2: you- Barcelona. You said the team shouldn't have to go through rebuild. It's time to time to push those old players out.
0: Right, but it's my bias showing now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking at this objectively at all, but <laughs> I think the leadership and just the, like play calling Breeze, it's Breeze ship to man. But I think rotating Jameson might be something that spicy that Sean Payton can cook up. But at this point, I I have a hard time benching one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game for famous Jameis.
2: Obviously, you don't want to be eating those W fingers, boy.
0: I yeah, I don't know what.
1: Hey, apparently the Falcons don't want to eat the W fingers either. So I think it's I think it's a trend right now in in that division. So the Falcons'
2: goal every year is just to see how many passing yards they can stack up and how many games they could lose. That ratio, I think they're they're trying to see how elite of an offense they could be while being the worst team in the division.
0: They're doing a great job of that gotta say right <laughs> every year like uh, they're they're the best
2: fantasy asset roster you could ask for in football. you know every year that at least three receivers slash tight ends from the atlanta falcons are going to be absolutely great fantasy assets <laughs> like it's unreal
0: so now it's time for our favorite headline from the week uh, we mentioned how luis suarez was trying to get an Italian citizenship, so he could join Juventus. He failed in that because he had to take a citizenship exam in Italy to get his Italian passport. Allegedly, there were irregularities in his test. Quote, Suarez got advanced questions correct, even though he does not speak a word of Italian. He does not conjugate verbs at all. He only uses infinitives. And if journalists would ask him a question after a game, he would be incredibly lost. He earns ten million a year. He needs to pass this exam. End quote.
2: This is hilarious.
0: Hey man, you got to chase the bag, and yeah, <laughs> you got to do what you you got to do what you got to do.
1: Like,
0: <laughs> do they not have a work visa? Like, wait, was there no way around this? Work visas would take a lot longer to obtain. The window shuts so soon. The only way he could get to Juventus was by getting a passport.
1: Gotcha. And so funny how ironic it is for Luis Suarez to be this player in this headline. The man who bites, the man <laughs> what's what's the next Luis Suarez headline we'll see, you know? What I find interesting is the university's under investigation, but Luis Suarez is actually not under investigation by anybody. So he kinda got off with it. The university's under more investigation and backfire for that than Louis Flores himself.
2: So last week, some like uh, over on Try Fantasy Podcast, we are huge, huge fantasy football. Uh, that's that's only what we focus on. Well, week in and week out, I peruse headlines and just like see what we got. And so oh, from the last week, my favorite headline is uh, a Will Fuller headline from the Houston Texans, uh, and this was published by Yahoo, and it says Fuller targets seen on milk cartons in Houston. And, And I couldn't handle that. I was like, is this is this real right now? Like they're absolutely putting this man on blast for being in and out of the in and out of the lineup last week. And he's a guy who is going to change the game with three to four passes, you know, a game because of the stretch the field option. I think Cooks. I think the signing of Cooks for the Texans was extremely underrated because he feels more of that DeAndre Hopkins role rather than Will Fuller. I'm excited to see how that turns out this year because we know Will Fuller for what he is, and that's a a big play. You know, 80, 90 yard touchdown kind of guy. Like, that's what he is. And so I seen on Milk Cartons, I was like, hey, they, they fired this man up.
0: <laughs> Brandon Cooks next down to Hopkins. That's why I traded him week one.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's uh, Traded Cooks or Hopkins because I would never trade Hopkins. Cooks. Okay. Oh, you yeah. wouldn't
0: trade Hopkins? You're, you're not Bill O'Brien? <laughs>
2: At least I wouldn't trade him for a washed up running back and a bag of Skittles. Don't get me wrong. I think uh, David Johnson, he's got some potential to be still a good player in the NFL. But, like, in all fairness, the DeAndre Hopkins trade wasn't for players or anything like that. It was to get a cancer out of the locker room. Now, I don't know if I don't think that's the right move because I think their team is drastically worse because of it. But there was so much more going on in that locker room that uh, wasn't being talked about. And, you know, it was DeAndre Hopkins bringing baby mom the facility day in and day out you know it was him not being a leader for some of the younger players on that team like he was enjoying more of the city of Houston rather than being an NFL player so as much as I dislike the trade and I think Bill O'Brien smokes crack on the daily um (laughs) if it had to happen it had to happen
0: thanks so much for stopping by Ryan it's a pleasure having you.
2: Absolutely. Adam and Ronnie, thank y'all guys both so much. I want everyone, all of y'all's listeners, you know, go check out Try Fantasy Podcast. We are a, more specifically, a fantasy football podcast. And I have a few guys over there that we we love to talk about what's going on in the fantasy world, what's going on in the NFL. I think it's a, it's a good listen for those who are willing to open their ears. And so, but honestly, guys, I, I think thank you just so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about some other sports, man. Like, I'm a huge Arsenal guy. You know, I love that we were able to touch on that. You know, I love that we were able to touch on a little bit more world football, some college football. And so it was a lot of fun. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully in the future, uh, I've done a good enough job to get a, get a call back sometime. So thank you guys very much. And can't wait to, you know, see how y'all shows progress as well.
0: Yeah, happy to have you. So definitely check out Try Fantasy Podcast for all your fantasy football needs. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Common Fan Commentary is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Podomatic. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll see you next time.
2: Bye, friends. Peace. Peace.